lead with a genuine message. Come to help. I think people will gain more from being able to be helped at Black Hat than leaving with 50 t-shirts. For the first timer, it's pretty cool to get all that swag. But I think if they leave with something that actually makes sense, you know, I think it's way more meaningful. Welcome to Audience First, a podcast for tech marketers looking to break out of the echo chamber to better understand their audience and turn them into loyal customers. Every week, Danny Wolf has brutally honest conversations with busy tech buyers about what really motivates them, the things they hate that vendors do, and what you can do about it. Get access to practical information on how to build authentic relationships with your audience. Listen to and talk with your buyers and apply real customer insights to your strategies and tactics. You owe it to the world to unmute your mic. Are you ready? Welcome everybody to another episode of Audience First. We have a special guest today as always. Welcome to the show, Leo. How are you doing, Leo? Doing really good. Thanks, Danny. Cool. Well, I'm excited to have Leo on because I met Leo, what was it, two weeks ago at Black Hat. That was a lot of fun, uh, by chance, actually. And he had approached uh, our little get-together with the Mr. Roberts uh, at the Mandalay Bay with a nice bottle of whiskey, was it? That's right. Yeah, four roses. Yeah, I had to bring the guy roses. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, it, it was that was really, really great. Tell me a little bit about... Um, about that kind of experience. We talked about it a little bit before we hit record on this session, right. but why Four Roses? What was the the backstory there? Absolutely. So I, as, as a lot of people know in the industry, Chris Roberts is, uh, he's, he's known just for his, you know, infamous nature of helping, helping folks, right? Usually infamy has a, has a, has a very negative sound to it, but he is, he's a helper. He's a genuine human being. And I remember the first time I reached out to him on LinkedIn and he commented on, a, on, on the post and I felt kind of like, like meeting the Rolling Stones for the first time or the Beatles. <laughs> it was kind of like a dream come true. And then, you know, I sent him another message directly and he responded right away. And then, you know, that, that happened a couple of years ago. And from then on, we had a relationship uh, over, over social media and, you know, like interacting and, yeah, any question I would throw at him, he would always offer his advice, you know, genuine guidance. And yeah, even if it was, even if it was him saying like, you know what, maybe try something else, you know, this might not be the right path. He'd always, he'd always offer that up, but then he'd also offer up other folks to follow and talk to and connect those dots. And, uh, and that's, that's honestly why I was just very excited to, to meet him in person for the first time. I was hoping to do it a couple of years ago, but no, obviously we got hit with a pandemic and I figured that first time, finally in person it has to be special. What do you bring? You know, the man, the myth, the legend, you bring him flowers. <laughs> I found, I found the four roses at the, uh, at the liquor store. And I just said, you know what, this is perfect. My favorite, uh, bourbon of choice is Blanton's bourbon, but, um, it was just very, I guess it just made sense. And I figured it also would make a great social media post on LinkedIn, but yeah, you know, and if it's anyone deserves really good bourbon, it's Chris the least I could do for, for a lot that he's done yeah, for me. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really touching. And I, I guess what I'm hearing here is if you don't ask, you don't get the help. So unmute the mic yes. and, and talk to, to who inspires you really and who you want to learn from. That's one. Ask for the help. Uh, there's no shame in that. 
from security practitioner to security practitioner, from marketer to security practitioner and marketer to marketer. Uh, second is do your homework and understand what people like. So four roses, whiskey, obviously Chris is a fanatic. He loves his whiskey. So that's awesome. Love that story. And it was awesome to meet you. How was the show for you, by the way? Uh, it was interesting, uh, because it was the first time I was invited to black hat to help with the not network operations center. Uh, and in essence, it's also the security operations center for black hat. And we got to, I got to see firsthand what it, what goes into, you know, getting the conference up and running, how it comes to fruition, you know, the meaning behind it takes a village is, you know, to say the least it's, it takes an entire army and, as, as, you know, the knock was doing the surveillance and ensuring the network was safe, it was up. Uh, it was really awesome to see the collective and cohesive nature of all the engineers and analysts work together from different vendors uh, to ensure that, you know, people's information was kept private, secure. Uh, the training sessions that went on were, you know, um, they remained uninterrupted. And at the end of the day, it was really just a learning experience for me and meeting people that I've never met before was, was incredible as well. The great conversations, the camaraderie, and at the same time, you know, considering we haven't gotten together in, in over two years that, that made it that much more special. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was, it was definitely, it was definitely a very special experience, very uh, interesting experience. Uh, being around so many folks, and I was, it was definitely, definitely felt weird at first, but then as you kind of met the people that you were used to seeing already and then new people, and then you see how everything got together, it just felt, felt like normal. Yeah. How would you kind of differentiate this <clears throat> year's Black Hat versus others that you've been to in the past, apart from, again, you know, you haven't seen people for a couple of years, mm -hmm. setting that aside, what do you think was, was different this time around? I think everyone was trying to get to know each other again, even from the vendor perspective. I walked the floor mm -hmm. probably a dozen times, probably hit up the same boots, you know, twice, if not three times, uh, just to get like, different conversations uh, going and just to learn a little bit more about, you know, the new technologies that are emerging, you know, from you know, VC backed startups to, you know, 10 year vendors that are coming out with new innovations, pioneering new ways for us to continue to safeguard um, the digital space. It, it was, it, it honestly, it was, a, it was refreshing. People were really just curious and, uh, and, and, and that they wanted to understand like how that pandemic impacted us as humans, you know, how we, how we're obviously operationalizing and, uh, and consuming technology today, but how, how the pandemic really changed our, our viewpoint in security, right? Considering the adversaries took advantage of the situation, unfortunately, um, understanding, you know, just, just from us, from the human element, like what, what our new concerns are, right? What, what are, what do we actually need, right? The vendors actually were listening uh, versus trying to, trying to sell. Yeah. They were, they were really listening a lot. That that's really what the difference was uh, from previous black hats. And normally, you know, you go in and you, know, you get the swag, you know, you listen to, to a 15 minute demo or a five minute demo, you talk to someone, you get the t-shirt, the sweater or the, or the figurine. Um, it was definitely more intimate and, and cause I don't, I don't think it was as packed as it used to be. So mm -hmm. it definitely allowed for a lot more meaningful conversations to happen. Mm -hmm. That's interesting that you say that now I, 
I cannot differentiate between different years because this was the first time that I've been at Black Hat. So to me, yeah. it was swag central. And the only thing <laughs> missing from the floor was like a t-shirt gun, in my opinion. Yeah, right. um, so I, to me, I, I'd love to know, and I'll break it down a little bit because I have loads of questions to unpack here. What, you know, you said you roamed the hall 12 times, around 12 times. What stood out to you positively? Uh, I, I think one of the things that was really interesting is vendors tend to stay in their own zone. They don't try they, you know, they don't leave their own zone. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like competition. Uh, the cool thing was we, I started seeing that vendors were kind of like talking to other vendors and like, how are you, how are you guys doing? You know, what are you, what are you seeing from your, from your clients? What are the trends are you seeing? What are the attacks that are impacting the way your clients purchase, right? The way your clients, um, uh, proof of concept, right. And decide like what they truly need, you know, what, what are the challenges that they face as well, even with supply chain issues, there was a lot of cohesive conversations going on, uh, which I generally, I never saw that before, you know, competitors were always vendors were like, ah, you know what, um, you know, cry strikes there, cyber reasons here, Palo Alto is there. We have our own, you know, uh, our own way of doing it. Our way is better. It was different this year. You know, it was, it was, it was completely different. You know, sometimes I, I, I did see two startup vendors that competed in the same space in identity, talking to the same client and figuring out like, you know, what makes sense for them based off of third-party integrations or alliances, you know, trying to really learn from the client, like, okay, where, where are you going? Like, what, what is the challenge is, is identity the challenge, but you know, that solution different, perhaps maybe I you know, the way you handle identity is more policy versus trying to buy a technology. And again, it, it just goes back to people who are really trying to listen, trying to understand. Um, but it was great to see the vendors communicate that way. Uh, and yeah, I mean, uh, in the past, I would, I would honestly, I would, I would roam the holes, you know, just to get the swag as well. A lot of folks do that. And uh, it was even from my perspective, I really wanted to understand from everyone how the pandemic impacted them, how they're doing, and and honestly just learn like how do we get better, right? How do we actually start working cohesively, right? Not just talking about technology integrations and APIs, like really working towards benefiting the world, right? I mean, the adversarial tax suit just getting worse. And it's it, we have to stop competing at some point. And understand that, you know, everyone can potentially use every technology, but us as humans, the most vital resource is what's important, right? And that's what I tend to lead with as well is that, you know, whether I was working for a vendor or not, someone's asking me for help, I'm going to figure out how to help them from the human element first. You know, it may not be the technology I'm selling. It might be, you know, my, you know, my colleague who's been in, you know, governance, risk and compliance for 20 years. And he may be able to, or she may be able to just go in and say, you know what, let me help you with documentation. You know, let me save you a year's worth of work. Let's get you where you need to be. Those are that, that's honestly what stood out the most and what was really awesome about Black Hat this year. Let's flip it on its head though, because this is where the juicy stuff comes out. In your opinion, (laughs) what are some cardinal rules vendors broke in your eyes this year at Black Hat? That is an interesting question. I would, I'd probably, some of the vendors um, and not just startups and, you know, some of the more tenured vendors, they, they were kind of, they still had to sell. Right. And they, they, you know, they were, you know, some of them were kind of like pushy. Maybe the folks were new to black hat, you know, from the you know marketing and sales perspective. Um, so they, you know, more, they were more, you know, inclined to, you know, do their roles. Like, listen, you know, if you're talking to someone try to give them the pitch, try to reel them in, trying to secure the, the next meeting, 
you know, pull someone else into the conversation. If you get them for, for 30 seconds, don't let them go. Right. Like, you know, uh, try, try to hold on to them. So I think, I think that's one of the rules. It's that, you know, if someone says, you know what, I'll look at your information or, you know, I'll, I'll look into it. Or, you know, if someone looks at you and says, Hey, you want a free t-shirt? And like, oh, I'll, I'll come back for one. I already have another one getting flagged down and, and chased after, um, is definitely, you know, the, the, you know, one of the rules and, and, and trying to get the conversation to keep going when the person doesn't want to, you can tell that they're kind of like, uh, I already told you, no, <laughs> you know, in a, in a very nice way. Like I, I could always look it up and, you know, some people were like, Hey, have you heard of us? Like I have, you know, and they ask how, you know, they, they try to reel you in, you know, those are just some of the rules, um, that I feel were broken where, um, although there was intimacy and there were good conversations, uh, they, they still try to really, you know, flag people down and try to sell them on the spot, which again, it's, it's black hat. It's going to happen. You have sales folks on the floor. Um, it's, it's natural at that point, but there comes a time where you have to respect the boundary. Right. Uh, I, 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 myself, I was flagged down by someone, uh, after I, I spoke to someone for like two seconds, like, Hey, have you heard of us? I said, no, actually no, but do you have the card? Do you have a doc, you know, a document? Um, and it was just in the hall and like in the middle of the vendor booths, it wasn't actually at a vendor booth. It's just in the common walk space. Mm-hmm. And as soon as that person walked away, someone came running and said, Hey, I just saw you spoke to my colleague. So, you know, like, since you haven't heard of us, uh, you know, can I tell you a little bit about it? And me and me and one of my friends that we were working the knock, uh, we actually had to be somewhere and she was following us the whole way. And, you know, we were like, you know what, you got a job to do. We get it. It's cool. We're, you know, it's going to take us at least three minutes to get to the exit. Cause it's so massive. Go ahead. You know, give us, give us the pitch, you know, let, you know, tell us, tell us the why, you know, um, where you guys were founded, why you were founded, what you're trying to fix. Um, but still, right. It's just, <laughs> it's one of those rules. It's like, you know, you just let, let people be. You know? It's no longer the elevator pitch. It's the walk the hall pitch. Yeah, I know um, at that point. Yeah, it's. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, I love that. I want to go back to your comment about more listening. There are more conversations mm-hmm. happening. Um, let's unpack that a little bit. Let's unravel it a little bit. What? How does that kind of look like? What? What specifically, in your opinion, you know, does that look like? Can you give me some concrete examples of of how those things are are different than previous years? Yeah. So um, one prime example, I actually ran into. Uh, a previous client that that was that I used to handle uh, from a security architecture perspective, and they pretty much they were trying to pick my brain. You know, like, hey, you know, you're here. You know, let's walk the hall together. Let me know like what vendors I should probably be talking to, which ones to avoid. And that that last sentence there, like, which ones to avoid, I actually I stopped him and I said, I'm like, you know what? Don't avoid anyone. You just you never know which one of these niche vendors, the startup vendors that you know just have maybe no backing, you know, maybe they're privately funded, um, are actually going to come out with something that's going to impact humanity, uh, for the greater good, you know, talk to, talk to as many folks as you can. Um, and it just happened that I had met someone, um, maybe a few hours ago by accident. Um, and we, we found, we ran into each other in the hallway and they were actually worked as a director of vulnerability management, uh, for, uh, for a security startup. And that conversation you know, started to unfold on the, sh- on the show floor of what have you done over the last, you know, 15, 20 years in your career? Because my, my colleague who I was walking the halls with uh, as a CISO 
for, for quite some time. And it was great to see that person from the startup really try to figure out, you know, what they've done in the industry, you know, what's been their long, you know, long lasting impact, you know, what, what do they want to be known for as well, aside from, you know, um, securing an organization, helping to safeguard an organization's, you know, data assets, all this stuff under the sun, what else do they want to do, right? For the industry, for the community. And that's where the CISO is like, you know what, that's, that's awesome that you mentioned community because that's the next part of my life that I really want to focus on in that 20 years ago, I wasn't where I was, you know? Um, and he said, he's like, you know, Leo, like 10 years, 10, 15 years ago, he wasn't where he was, right? A lot of us weren't. Um, it's really trying to figure out how do we enable, how do we bring up the future race, the future generations um, to potentially fix what we couldn't, right? Maybe fill the gaps of zero trust, you know, maybe come out with a new framework that actually makes sense for all the industries. Um, maybe bring together vendors that once competed into a, full alliance where they're not competing anymore. And it's kind of like a, you know, a la carte, you know, he called it, he was like, not to say that everything would be, you know, he mentioned like under Google, but more of like, you know what, if you're going to leverage us, you should at least leverage this competitor for these two other areas of security. And that's what he was really trying to focus on the community, right? How do we bring about new generations the right way? And also how does he talk to vendors to have them understand you guys need to work together. You know, even if you're if you're a firewall to firewall, there's other solutions that you sell. Figure out how you can work together for the greater benefit of the customer, right? Don't go don't go competing. Ask the CISO, ask the SOC lead, ask the engineers, ask everyone. You know, what do you want, right? What what is it that you truly want out of you know the technology? You know, aside from solving, we don't have MFA. So those conversations, like like that, we were on the floor for probably. Uh, maybe standing for 30, 40 minutes, my feet were killing me <laughs> from all the walking, but those are the conversations that were great. And then one of my colleagues, you know, walked over that was working, uh, the knock, um, that I was texting them and I'm like, Hey, come over here. You should talk to this, to this guy. And after that, you know, they, they stayed in touch and there were other folks having the same type of conversations and you know, it's, and, and I, I love that. I think we need to have more of that where we're just, we're just discussing what, what hasn't worked, you know, being completely open and candid and understanding that in order for us to actually fix a lot of problems in the industry, we need to look at ourselves and say, you know what, a 25-year-old that just graduated college who's working in a SOC and not or startup vendor, whether they're in, you know, engineering, pre-sales, marketing, you know, trying to get into lead no matter what, if they're not shown the right path and the right way to analyze and think, they're going to fall into potentially the same issues, you know, that some of us have fallen where it's like, I don't like that vendor, that vendor, I don't like them just because of X, you know, and I love this vendor because of marketing or, you know, for certain reasons, right? We need to change that, you know, because even us as evaluators, when we're picking a, a vendor, um, we need to be open-minded, right? And, and, and but again, we have to, to, to our earlier point, what you mentioned, you know, it's understanding how vendors can change the way they, you know, market, the way they sell. I love that. That to me is the highlight of this episode. <laughs> I love that line right there. We're going to lead with that line on the trailer. Um, that's awesome. I do want to, to get your input 
and understand if there are any kind of booths or vendors that stood out to you at the show that you said, okay, wow, I got to, I got to keep this in, in the Rolodex or in my back pocket for, for yeah, you know, potential conversation. Yeah. You know, what's interesting. Um, as soon as you walked in, you obviously saw the vendors that had the most budget. You had like the massive, you know, statues of like, uh, I think it was superheroes. Uh, Cyber Reason or CrowdStrike. One of them. Crowd, yeah, it was CrowdStrike. Yeah. CrowdStrike. Yeah, they had like um, like a ma- massive area. They were giving out hoodies, uh, and they had the like the Transformer type figurines. Um, Cyber Cyber Reason as well. They had a huge presence. Uh, I think it was Sentinel One. They had what looked like a purple tree of life, which was really awesome. Um, that stuff is catchy because you got to look at it to one of two ways. They're Probably, you know, they're probably, they probably are trying to get your attention for a valid reason. Not so much like, hey, we're flashy. You know, we, we just want to bring you in and get you the free swag and talk to us. You never know. You know, it might make sense. But um, <clears throat> the, the, the vendors that stood out to me were the, um, I don't know if they're nonprofit, but there were a few vendors that deal in threat intelligence that, you know, they, they, um, they consume threat intelligence from a lot of different parties whether it's vendor, whether it's private, uh, whether it's a nonprofit. And what they do is at that point, they feed federal government agencies, right? So that they can respond and they can analyze it and sanitize and realize like, you know what, this is a credible threat. I, th- I thought that was really interesting. That was actually by the career zone, mm-hmm. um, which over, I was surprised. Yeah. In the Innovation is. City over yes, there. Yeah. 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 Um, I forget their name, but um, I have, I have like, I think, I don't know, like a whole bag full of business cards and stickers of vendors that, you know, I definitely have to go through and siphon through uh, that really stood out because a lot of the smaller ones, they, they had a very similar message in that, you know what, we are breaking into the industry because we want to change the norm, right? We don't want, we don't just want to sell. We want to offer up a service, you know, a service that's going to generally help someone, right? Versus, Hey, uh, you know, here's the latest SIM tool. Our SIM tool, although is only a year old, can do so much more than, you know, one of the more tenured vendors like Splunk, right? Or Datadog. Um, we're seeing a lot of that. Right? We're seeing a lot of those niche startups, you know, in the endpoint space, XDR space, security automation orchestration come out. Um, maybe because they want to get acquired, you know, by the bigger guys. Um, or maybe they truly have something that completely differentiates them altogether, but it's the, it's the small vendors that, that lead with, you know, we don't, we're not really selling a technology. We're selling a service, right? A service that can help the human being, you know, become that much more efficient in their role. And that's, those are the vendors that honestly, like I was really interested in talking to some of them just dealt in, you know, the governance risk and compliance space. Some of them dealt in threat intelligence. Uh, some of them, you know, did um, exceso advisory services, uh, which is another important, important like area and topic uh, of, of of adding value, because as a as a newly minted CISO of a of a school system myself, you know I I was very very candid with the school system not to go on a sidetrack, but you know I I I can't do what you expect me to do based off of someone who has twenty five years experience, right? Although I do have the experience to get the role. I need help. So what am I, what am I going to do? I'm going to actually reach out to some of those vendors and say, Hey, you do, you know, continuous monitoring on compliance. Oh, you know what? And it's, and you know, you do it, you handle it completely. 
um, and it and it's pretty cost effective. You know, let's let's talk. You know, someone else does um, identity access management. Again, you know, continuous monitoring, continuous posture, uh, no agent. You know, very very simple. It's all outsourced. Okay, you know what? That alleviates me of of certain concerns and certain risks. So it's finding the people that can do the service versus finding a technology that tells me you install this on an endpoint, we're going to do everything right mm-hmm. for you. Right. Cause that doesn't give me, although the, the, the technology is a tangible uh, technology, it doesn't give me, you know, really anything that I'm looking to solve long-term at the end of the day. How many tools, services, or solutions uh, from vendors did you kind of pull away from the show over in your goodie bag of cards? Oh, a, a lot. A lot. Yeah. 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 From, you know, what's interesting, XDR is like the big buzzword, extended detection and response, detection and response everywhere. Uh, I, the acronym stands for a lot of different things. You know, there's a lot of vendors out there that whether they do identity access management or they do SIM, they do endpoint security. Um, I don't know, like network access control. Uh, what's the other one? Mm-hmm dark web monitoring, like a lot of them, they all had an XDR like tag to it as well. Right. And I, and I was kind of like, why like, are you just trying to add that XDR so that you say you have it as a feature and tool set, right. So that you meet like a, like a check mark, because that that's, that's not a good thing. Right. Cause if someone comes at you and says like, Oh, you offer XDR, you can do Everything across the spectrum, right? Digital forensics, incident response, you know, static dynamic malware analysis on the endpoint across Windows, Mac, Linux, you know, they're going to be like, no, well, you know, we do pieces of it. And like, well, then you don't do the full XCR perspective, right? So then you kind of have to move yourself away from that um, bucket or quadrant, right? So a lot of vendors as well, like I found, hurt themselves in their messaging marketing. Because oh my they were yeah, they were trying to compete too much with the bigger guys and they're trying to compete with everyone that's like, what's going to be the message? Cyber resilience, XDR, and we automate everything. But then you talk to them and it's like, but you don't. <laughs> so so, so yeah. that's a good point. So at what point would, would it be okay to use buzzwords? Because you have to use buzzwords yeah. in some instances, right? Uh, so to your point, one is if you actually do it to the full extent, what would be other reasons? I mean, if someone comes at me and says, listen, <clears throat> we do off, you know, we we do offer XCR, but it's traditional, right? It's digital forensics incident response, right? For the endpoint. Um, and and from there, if they start talking about like, listen, if you're infected, if you're compromised, right, we're gonna look at operating system level forensics, we're gonna look at file system level forensics, you know, they're gonna go granular, they're gonna go deep. Those, that information, they said, we're going to be able to give it to you. But what we're going to do at the same time is correlated with network telemetry that we're collecting from a lot of different areas. Not, 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 not ourselves, not just our sensors, but integrations we have with Cisco or Juniper, or Palo Alto or, you know, Aruba, um, all the vendors, you know, will be able to di- digest and absorb that information and figure out the timeline, you know, of when it really happened. You know, then at that point, if they understand what the buzzword of XCR means, uh, and they give me all those nuggets, I know what they're talking about. I know at the end of the day, they're focused on really getting the valuable intel so that I can obtain attribution and closure of, I know who it was. I know that, you know, this wasn't just a you know, pass by attack. I was probably targeted. 
or even worse, a user within my organization was targeted, which means they were profiled, they were social engineered somehow, and that might be a bigger threat. If they can answer those, like, those, in, you know, those questions for me, at that point, I will listen to their XDR pitch. At that point, you know, that buzzword becomes a reality, right? You, you are operationalizing XDR. You know, but at the same time, I can, I can educate them in saying that there's so much more that you're doing. I get you're leading with the XCR message and the marketing, but it's awesome that they're, you know, that they understand like what's really behind it. And I think vendors have to really know that if they're leading with a buzzword, they need to also be genuine from behind that buzzword, right? Mm -hmm. You know, come at me with XCR, come at me with SOAR, come at me with cyber resilience. That's fine. I get it. But then give me, you know, the meat and potatoes behind it, right? You know, what, what it really means, right? And at that point, if I do adopt, you know, the message, if I do adopt the technology and I implement it and I'm a, I'm a champion for it, you know, the, the, the outcome that they want, of course, is like, do I become a referenceable customer, right? And then I state, you know, like, oh, I chose this vendor because their XDR story was, you know, XYZ, all, all what I mentioned, like everything that's behind it, right? And, and yes, you know, I'll, I'll be on paper saying like, you know, XDR, but there's a reason why I chose that XDR message. And I think vendors just have to change the way they lead with buzzwords. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you have your handy dandy uh, bag of business cards. How do you sort the wheat from the chaff? Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, so what I do is I, I look at them, you know, I'll, I'll Google, you know, the vendor, and I also Google the individual that gave me the business card, you know, oftentimes they're in sales um, for the small startups. Uh, I actually got a couple where it was the, the CEO and founder or the COO who are actually doing both roles. You know, they're both the salesperson and the technical person, which is interesting. It was really cool to see. And uh, actually, I think one of them was at, uh, was at the, was at the little meet and greet we did at, at Riff Raps. I met a, a bunch, obviously, on the, on the floor. Um, but what I'll do is I'll siphon through them and I'll say, you know what? Okay. After I've ranked them based off of like specific need, like industry, industry sectors, you know, identity access management, vulnerability management, XDR, SOAR, uh, forensics, uh, you know, um, whatever it might be, you know, I'll place them in those buckets, the people that, that are on the business cards, you know, I'll look them up, I'll see, uh, where they are in the industry as well, what their messaging is. Do they have you know, webinars on YouTube? You know, are they on collateral? Let me see, you know, what what they're leading with. Let me see if I could find them already doing other pitches, other talks, um, to save them time as well. Cause if I reach out, I don't want to ask them the same questions that I would be able to learn from on their, you know, on their data sheet or the website or a YouTube video that they posted if they presented at RSA as an example, right? I want to be able to kind of save them the time as well if I had to reach out. So that's kind of how I do it. Um, at the same time, I'd focus on what I'm trying to acquire, right? Like for the school system I work with, you know, um, I'd look at the three biggest areas that I know like potentially are at the moment um, risky for us and that we have to fill the gaps on and look through some of those vendors and see, you know what, let's see which one of these actually makes sense for us, right? Let me, let me, let me, that's why I'm going to look at all the collateral. And at that point, I'll pick two and I'll mm -hmm. pick two. I, I won't really go crazy and, and pick three or four um, because I just, I don't want to open up, you know, like too many conversations and maybe 
give a vendor false hope. I'd rather have, you know, two conversations. And if those two don't end up being, you know, um, in my benefit that I see a value, then, then I'll, then I'll choose the other two potentially that I didn't choose prior, right. At that point. Um, so this way it's, it's not wasting anyone's time at that point. Yeah. Does the outreach post show irk you or help you? Yeah. Oh, when they say like, Hey, thanks for stopping by the booth or Hey, thanks for stopping at our happy hour. It, it doesn't, to be honest, is in the email. Well, here's the thing, depending on the email that they send, it may or may not help because sometimes in some of those emails, it's just a thank you, right? Uh, thanks for stopping by. Here's some links to our information. Uh, hope, you know, hope we talk to you soon. I prefer them to, and I know they get a lot of people, but I prefer them to research the folks that they're reaching out to. If they really want to do business with the folks, um, don't just send a mass mailer that a thousand people are going to get, right? Customize it, right? Make it make it specific to that individual. That something you know, mention something that'll resonate. If if you spoke to someone at that happy hour, right? Like if if there's, I went to a vendor happy hour actually on the first night, and <clears throat> I, I signed up right there, you know, and they're like, oh, you know what? Oh, that's awesome. You're with the nonprofit school system that focuses on kids that are that are deaf and autistic. Uh, there's someone that we need to, you know, we need to get to talk to you, you know, had they, had they gone that direction, you know, and that person, you know, spoke to me, I would hope that they remembered. Right. So then when they send that email, maybe they tailor it towards me. Um, they need to do that. You know, even if they do site, you know, if they do get a thousand folks, there's only so many people that they're actually going to talk to. So those are the folks that they have to remember. And if that person that they spoke to gets that generic email, that person most likely is just going to be like, ah, you know what? It's, you know, they're not, they're not trying, you know, or if, if it was worth their time as well, they would have tried to like look me up a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Is there etiquette 101 for any cybersecurity marketer and seller that they should follow for next year's Black Hat? Like a, a, a stepped checklist, in your opinion, that you'd like to share uh, as best practice? You know what, if, so, so that it was, there was one vendor that I won't name, um, to remain unbiased, uh, cause I do give them credit, but they had their, they had their marketing all over the place. They have them in airports and they had them at black hat and they were leading with 100% prevention. And I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of people that I'd walk by that, that sign with, and we'd always look, or we'd like point like, you know, hundred percent prevention. And we, you know, it's catchy at that point, right. They, you know, you get a lot of people you know, heads to turn, but nothing is a hundred percent. We know that, <clears throat> you know, and, and I think that's just more, maybe, maybe it's a good marketing trick where we approach them and say a hundred percent prevention, huh? Well, hold on. Let me tell you, like, let me tell you why we went with that story. A hundred percent prevention. And, and maybe it's for that. Maybe it's, you know, it's to reel you in, but I feel like the marketing team needs to be more genuine. Right? If you're going to want to reel people in, lead with a genuine story. Right. Um, heck, if I saw a vendor that said, we're just going to be honest with you, it's 50 50, I'd, I'd take that conversation. What made you say 50 50? Because you know it's going to happen either way. But what, 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 like, you know, what, at that point, what made you say, like, oh, do you have statistics? Do you yourselves, did you go based off of maybe your own clients, you know, that were impacted by a threat um, that you maybe might be able to disclose? I don't know. But I think. 
in going into the next black hat and future black hats, marketing has to change. And it starts with listening to the people, you know, they should actually reach out to their clients. Like, what would you like to see us do at black hat? Not, Hey guys, you know, <clears throat> you know, Palo Alto is leading with this message or Cisco's leading with that message. Microsoft's leading with this. And it's like now a hundred vendors are like, you know, they're, they're always on the news. They're on money talks around that. We need to go with that. No, no, you don't. No, you don't. If anything, maybe not to say compete with it, but demystify it. Like if they're leading with that, you know, maybe it's marketing, maybe it's getting the stock market, you know, you know, for them up, who knows, whatever it is, just lead with a genuine message. You know, like come, come, come to help. You know, I think people will gain more from being able to be helped at Black Hat than leaving with 50 t-shirts. For the first timer, you know, it's pretty cool to get all that swag. But I think if they leave with something that actually makes sense, you know, I think it's, I think it's, it's, there's way more meaningful. But at some point, at some point, Black Hat Vegas, it just gets taxing. <laughs> we go there to, uh, to kind of just, you know, completely reboot our brains. You know, that's why we call it hacker summer camp. But if we turn it into a meaningful conference where people can have genuine conversations and learn from each other at vendor booths, at that point, I think, I think it, it'd be awesome. Heck, I mean, I, I, I would, I would ask vendors to say, to ask their own clients, like, listen, you know, we'll get you guys out of black hat. Let's put you in a conversation with like, five other CISOs, you know, let's have like an, a fireside chat, you know, on, you know, just completely candid and tell us where even you tell us like some of the things where you, you love and you kind of think we should do better, you know, so that people learn from it, you know, cause if they are looking at us, they can learn from you on how to operationalize better. It's just gotta be, it's just gotta be genuine, you know, no one's perfect. Yeah. So yeah. I rest my case. Yeah. <laughs> You said it all. I almost feel like, uh, you know, uh, after hearing this and after, you know, roaming the floors 13 times, the pre-show play is huge yeah. for, for marketing teams and, and salespeople. I mean, you have to get those conversations going so that they're set up at the show mm -hmm. because, you know, it's a shit show on the floor, you know, oh, yeah. you, have, you know, people running around like chickens with their heads cut off for swag and for all this kind of stuff or scanning badges. But really the pre-show game is huge. So you can getting the right, right conversations at the show and, and extracting right. that genuine conversation to your point. Um, and you raised some interesting insights regarding strategy at the show, how to approach the booth, how to approach the conversations, how to approach the engagement. Um, this has been absolutely awesome. We went actually off track that totally off track from what I originally wanted to do, which I love. We dug into the black hat experience. We didn't actually go into what you do. So Mr. Leo Cruz, tell me a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? And why the hell do you do it? So it's an awesome, I, I have an interesting, uh, like journey into the, and just in general into the, the tech industry. Uh, so I, I'll start from where I am at the moment at the moment. Uh, I'm, I, I am a CISO advisor for uh, school system, St. Joseph School for the Deaf here in New York. Uh, the focus is on educating uh, kids K through eight. Um, in addition, we also have affiliations with high schools um, that uh, they, they, we focus on kids that are deaf, but some of them are also autistic, um, you know, special needs, 
And at the same time, I'm also an advisor architect for, for Cisco. And I, I do sit on a couple boards uh, across the education space and, and vendor agnostic space uh, just to give back to the community, honestly, as, as a, as I mentioned before, you know, Chris has done this for me. A lot of folks have done this for me in mentorship um, and offering thought leadership and insight. I want to do the same for future generations. Uh, so, you know, every day, although I have my day job and I'm an advisor, uh, architect, and I work across New York City public sector agencies, school systems, it, it's really about giving back. That's really what I focus on every day. Um, if I'm positioning a technology, if I'm in a CISO roundtable, uh, it's 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 just offering my 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 candid feedback based off of previous experiences, you know, and and the expertise that I have, and sometimes even talking about failures, right? So that folks understand, like you know what, don't do this, you know, like honestly, I've gone through it, uh, avoid it at all costs, and 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 go down the other path. And <clears throat> what I love about what I do every day is that. You just don't know what conversation you're going to have tomorrow with with your colleagues and friends, but you do know that you can at least give them something. And so I always, every day I wake up and I figure out like, what don't I know? Well, what don't I know yet? And I'll ask someone like, hey, you know what? I want to research this. What do you think? At the same time, I'll think back to someone that wanted something, you know, that wanted to learn something. Um, and I'll reach out to them like, hey, you know what? You mentioned like a month ago, you wanted to learn about malware. Let's get into it. Um, now that I, now, now that I know how to set up a sandbox, do the static and dynamic analysis, and I can train someone in it, uh, I want to give back, but I wasn't always, I wasn't always, you know, uh, I still don't consider myself a subject matter expert, call it imposter syndrome, but I wasn't always where I am today. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I don't have a college degree yet. <laughs> uh, I actually, I'm graduating this Friday from Champlain college and, uh, I'm getting my, my formal bachelor's in cybersecurity and, uh, and forensics. And I'm proud to say that, you know, I, I did it in just under two years, you know, four years and under two years while holding, you know, a couple roles, starting a nonprofit, uh, becoming a father. Uh, she's now four months old, our baby girl. Uh, so yeah, a lot, it's, I put a lot on myself over the last two years and, and I'm happy to say that I've accomplished that. But uh, I, my journey started about 15 years ago or so. Mm forget how old I am, but I'm a lot older than I look. Uh, but I started playing games online and a lot of my friends here growing up in New York city were big, you know, nerds, techies, you'd throw land parties. And from there, you know, we'd go to internet cafes, their older brothers were all into tech, you know, back in like the, the late nineties, 1998, 99.com era, you know, they were going to college. We were, we were still like, you know, really young, like 13, 14, and we would look up to them and, and you know, we'd want to play video games with them. And at, at some point we we're just like, you know what, we can actually compete. So we started, com you know, oh, you know, signing up for competitions and we started winning and it was really fun. Sometimes we get like a free mouse, you know, from like a vendor or keyboard or something uh, or prize money. And at that point I had learned appreciation for networking, the internet, but I just didn't think that I can turn it into a career. I have no idea why. And I, I didn't know why then I know why now it's because I had, I didn't have the right people at the right time. Right. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll remember that cause I'll bring that back in conversation in just a bit. And when I went to school, 
went to school for pre-med, changed my major to finance, changed my major to accounting, changed my major to engineering. And then eventually I was like, you know what? My parents wanted to kill me because they're like, dude, like, come on. <laughs> make up your mind. <laughs> you make up your mind. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go straight into the workforce, you know, as a help desk technician, you know, level one sysadmin. Uh, I know how to do this stuff. So let me just, you know, let me just start making some money saving up. And then from there, I started to meet the people that, you know, guided me in the right direction. They're like, like, dude, you have a knack for this. You love this stuff. Your, your curiosity makes you that much more effective and efficient. Let us help you, you know? Um, <clears throat> and then, you know, long story short, 10, 12 years later, uh, meeting the right people, guiding me through all my roles, you know, making sure that, you know, if I want to learn something new, I learned it. Um, if I made a mistake, they didn't, you know, uh, reprimand me and say like, don't like, you know, like, oh, what, what did you do? You know, don't, don't, don't do that again. You know, the PG version more. So let, let me show you, you know, what you should have done. Right. Um, like rebuilding an exchange server. I probably forgot to do. I remember I did, I did it once long time ago when exchange servers were always on-prem and I messed something up with the data store and long story short, you know, it didn't end, it ended up good but it didn't end up good for the first 12 hours. <laughs> no one's email was accessible. <laughs> People lost all their email uh, just for a short duration of time. But yeah, things like that. But the right, you know, what I mentioned before, the right people were just weren't in my life at the right time. When they became, you know, the right people during the right time is where I became the Leo you see today, um, who I, I, to some, they, they, they think that I'm an extrovert. Nah complete introvert, you know, there's just times where I know how to turn it on so that I can, so I can speak to someone, you know, so I can give back. Uh, but I wasn't, I wasn't like this always, you know, my first tech talk was about, uh, was actually, uh, coming up on six years. It was actually at a star Wars movie premiere. Um, and I was very nervous, you know, as a first tech talk, there was probably like 250 people in the theater and, you know, here I am, you know, like a, like a 28 year old, I'm like, what the heck? You know, like, I can't believe I'm doing this, but it was one person who believed in me. And he said, just, just do it. If you're not going to do it now, you're never going to do it, man. And whether you speak in front of 10 people or 250 people, it makes no difference. Yeah. Just, just tell them, you're, tell them the story that you want to tell them. Be genuine, right? Mm -hmm. Don't, don't, you know, like, don't worry about what the messaging from marketing has to be. Put your own message in it. And that, that resonated with me. He's obviously, cause but yeah, but then giving me the slides, he's like, it doesn't matter. You tell your story. You get up there and tell your story. And I'm going to be up there every step of the way. And yeah, from gamer, you know, to nerd, you know, rising up the ranks from help desk technician, sysadmin, having various roles. Eventually, I was like, I love security. I want to do this. And then the right people pushed me and mentored me and guided me. And it's why I want to give back to the community. And it's why I focus on, you know, uh, the education sector so much because I have... I get like a motto, you know, I, it's not even like branded or anything or trademarked. It's more so if we give kids and even adults that are trying to break into the industry, you know, today, a beautiful experience from the very beginning, a motivational experience and a positive experience, they're going to feel empowered and confident that I can do this. And like, yeah, you can like, absolutely. Like, even if you're, even if you're 50 years old or, or 10 years old or 25 years old, regardless, you want to get into cybersecurity you know, we will help you. You know, the helpers are out there. And mm -hmm. Mr. Rogers said, you know, look to the helpers they are always out there. 
you know, there's a lot, a lot of those, a lot of those things influence my life. And, 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 and it's why, you know, I, I do what I do. I, it, it, to me, I rather, I, I don't want to be known for inventing a technology or, or, or taking a startup to unicorn status. Or the, I just want to, I just want to be known for being an amazing father and husband and just giving back because I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for the people that helped me and pulled me up. Um, and, and, and that's where, that's where everything has to change, you know, across the vendor space. Yeah. 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 So meaningful. We're heading towards the end of the session, top of Mm -hmm. the hour, almost, uh, Leo, is there anything else you want to impart on the audience today before we sign off? Honestly, I would just, I just tell everyone to like, just admire and, and love the, the small things in life right? Like what we do, what we do nine to five, you know, it, it, it puts, it puts, you know, food on the table. It allows us to buy what we want to buy. Like for me, one of my vices is Funko Pops. You can't see them, but I have a ton of like comic book collections, but yeah, I just, just remember the little things in life. You know, they matter the most at the end of the day, you could always have the ability to help someone. Don't think that you don't. Right? And mm-hmm. it's why we're in this. Yep. 100%. I love that. This has been absolutely awesome. And again, congrats on the degree. And in, more, in my opinion, more importantly, your daughter. That's awesome. We, we spoke yeah. about her uh, at the show. So yep. Leo, it has been a pleasure. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, it's my pleasure, Danny. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Audience First. If you like what you've heard, feel free to follow or subscribe to Audience First on Apple, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast streamers.